text for the sermon this morning is Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. We'll read that verse again. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher, the inspired writer of this book, looked at life without faith in God and his redemption. And then when he considered the value of what was accomplished in life without faith in God and his redemption, he had to conclude that in itself, everything is meaningless. Vanity of vanities, he says, all is vanity. Doesn't matter how hard you toil under the sun, you can't fix things here. You can't break out of the cycle of rise, shine, and fade again. And that's because of sin. Life is broken and can't be fixed here of itself without God. No matter how wise you are, how hard you work, how famous you become, how much fun you have in life, nothing has lasting value here beyond it. Nothing gives life any deep meaning. And the preacher shows that in this book, not in order to depress us, but he wants to do exactly the opposite, wants us to live in hope. Points out the meaninglessness of all human thought and effort and achievement here below so that we lift our eyes up to heaven. That we expect our life and the renewal of our life and the renewal of all things here from God, from his grace, his salvation. And so the preacher shows how vain life without faith is in order that the people of God might seek their life outside of themselves in Jesus Christ, the son, son of David, a descendant of the preacher himself. And that son of David, Jesus Christ, has come since the preacher wrote the words of the book of Ecclesiastes. He did his redeeming work on earth and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God and is coming again. And not to deal with sin then, as it says in Hebrews 9, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And see, that's the, the preacher's point here. He wants his readers to live in the faith and hope of the coming of the Lord. For his days, that was the first coming of the Savior. For us today, it's the return of the Savior that we look forward to, that we hope in. And the point is that if you wait for, you look forward to that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, then life is not in vain. Then your labor is not in vain, as the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. 
if you work and live this life in faith, life takes on meaning and becomes worth it. Your life in faith here is then a preparation for eternal life. The eternal joy coming when Christ returns. And that's what the preacher wants to show us all, and especially the young people who we would say have their life ahead of them here yet, so to speak. He, he calls us to live in faith and hope in Christ, the young people too. And then, then you can enjoy life. Then, you, then your life has meaning and it can take on deep joy. And I proclaim to you the words of the text with this theme, Christians, and then thinking especially two young Christians can truly enjoy life. First, we see the call to that enjoyment, and secondly, the way to that enjoyment. First, the call. Be happy, enjoy life while you're young yet, seize the day. That's what the preacher says in the first half of our text, and those words seem more like a, the kind of thing you might read in a bit of advertising for young people's clothing or young people's whatever uh, nowadays, the, the picture, you know, picture of the, in the ad shows good-looking young models who are having fun drinking something or doing something that's being advertised or wearing something. Have fun. Enjoy life. Doesn't sound like the kind of thing a Christian preacher might say to his flock today, right? Especially not to young people because after all, faith in God makes things sober and restrained, doesn't it? We live in this fallen, broken world, and the commandments of God are all about not doing this and not going this. There, you shall not. So then, faith puts a damper on exuberance, you would think, especially for the youth of the church. So how can the preacher in our text be so enthusiastic about enjoying life, being happy, rejoicing? As believers, we live in this broken world, right? So much to watch out for, so much to be careful about, so much to worry about as Christians today. This life is no more than a constant death. We hear that every time in the prayer at baptism. And we confess in Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism, and we'll hear it this afternoon, this, this life of sorrow, a veil of tears. We look for the joy of the world to come, so how can the preacher be so cheerful about this life here? In fact, if you look at the text carefully, the preacher isn't just advising the youth and all of us in to, to be happy and enjoy life, know that that enjoyment of life is a command in the text. He doesn't say you, 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 you may enjoy life. No, he says you must. Especially young people. Rejoice, young people. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. That's a command. Especially for the youth of the church then. And let's be honest here, congregation, especially the older ones here. If you hear the preacher in our text, you want to say, whoa, 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 hey, just wait a minute. Life is too serious, too broken, 
to say this, to command young people to be happy, have fun in life. You're making things pretty difficult for parents who have enough trouble as it is restraining their kids, holding them back, keeping them on the straight and narrow, keeping them serious about their faith. Wouldn't it be better if you pointed out the seriousness of life rather than command them to be rejoicing and enjoying themselves? We live in a world today that's obsessed with fun, entertainment, partying. Instead of giving the young people the go-ahead to enjoy themselves, shouldn't you be saying something that might put the brakes on all that? Well, listen to what the preacher says in the middle of our text to the youth too then. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Follow the ways of your heart and what your eyes see. That means following the appealing things, the things your heart desires and what your eyes love to look at. Follow those things, the preacher says. All the beautiful and pleasant and enjoyable things your heart desires and your eyes are drawn to. Go ahead, young people. Take and enjoy, he's saying. And again, you know, you think about that and you can have your questions about it. Right? Young people especially, but older ones too, quite often. We have to ask, are, are we allowed to do this? Is it right to look at that? There's so many sinful things to do and see in this fallen world, and our hearts are inclined to all manner of sin, right? So there's a lot our hearts and eyes need to resist. How can the preacher say, follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see? Notice that the preacher even sort of repeats that in the next Verse, the last verse of our chapter, therefore, he says, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. <clears throat> what he's saying then is, don't walk along, around with a long face. Don't be too hard on yourself, for all too soon your young years are going to be over. And then you're going to be like mentions in chapter 12. Age catches up to you, and your eyes fail and your hearing fails. You're only young once, so go ahead and do the things you enjoy. But congregation, notice that, that he says it sounds like the thing. I said that it sounds like the thing our culture of today promotes, right? Go ahead and do the things you enjoy. Follow your heart. You're only young once, but congregation, the preacher isn't advocating a worldly approach to life at all. Think about it. Who is this command to be happy and enjoy life addressed? Who? Who? Not to youth in general. The preacher is talking in our text to the young people of the church, the covenant youth, originally in Israel, now in the church. This book of the Bible, after all, is called Ecclesiastes. Interesting name for this book, because ecclesia is the Greek word for church. 
The command of our text is for the youth of the church, for the young people here. The preacher's word in our text are for the covenant youth who bear on their forehead the sign and seal of God's promise that there is a future for them in Jesus Christ. The preacher is commanding covenant youth to know their God and Savior, to be happy and enjoy this life while they're young. That makes this command to enjoyment different from the worldly call to young people to just let themselves go and have fun, the kind of fun you hear about today, unruliness. When the unbelieving world calls its youth to be happy and seize the day, it means get out of life what you can while you can because this is it and there ain't no more. Life for unbelievers has no real meaning anyway. And so they only live once. So why not do whatever you can and you want now? Why not live on the edge? Do whatever turns your crank. But the preacher doesn't direct his command to enjoy life while you're young to unbelievers, to the worldly. Nor does he give that command to covenant youth who call the worship of God boring, not interested in the covenant promises they have been given, who take more pleasure in the culture of unbelief than living a life of thankfulness to God. They're after pleasure and enjoyment too, but you know what? The pleasure which social life outside of God gives is pretty shallow. And the, the happiness others find in booze and weed and partying is pretty illusory because the consequences of that kind of, of fun are pretty sad. No, those who seek it outside the Lord don't really know what real fun is about, real happiness. They think they do, and sometimes it looks as if they're pretty happy. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled, because their fun is cheap and shallow imitation. It is happiness without real content, without body. The high lasts only for a short time and then reality sets in and it's vain and hopeless. And then they need it again and again. And then it's living from weekend to weekend. The preacher knows. He tried everything. The preacher tried everything there was to experience. And he discovered that the enjoyment of anything outside of faith in God, walking with God, Outside of that is just vain, passing pleasure. It's not going to last. It's always dark at the end of the tunnel. No. True happiness, real, lasting enjoyment in your heart. Brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls, true, lasting enjoyment in your heart is found only and accepting and living out of the covenant promises of God, walking in his ways. Faith in Christ and his forgiveness and in his kingdom alone gives enduring enjoyment of life. Enjoyment that, that remains there even if you're confined to a bed or a wheelchair. 
Maybe it, it, it even stays there. It stays in your heart when the heart monitor beside your hospital bed is going slower and slower. Even then, you find happiness in the Lord. It stays there. It's still there, deep. Because if you didn't have him then, what would you hold on to? It's vanity. And then it's no wonder that people want to end their lives before they get there. Sometimes, you know, there are people in the Church of Christ, maybe young people too, who think, you know, all the happiness is outside the covenant and church of God. All the pleasure and enjoyment is out in the world. With those who don't worry about God and about serving God. Because they don't have to worry about answering for what they do to others in the church, consistory or elders or, or others. They don't have to worry about not doing this and make sure you do that and look so easy and free for unbelievers and so controlled and restricted for believers. But people of God consider that the grass only looks greener on the other side. It's not because it's just artificial turf. To live in unbelief is not carefree. To live with God, without God isn't real happiness. It's hard work. Those who do that have to work hard to avoid the hard reality that this world is on the way down. And then they have to work hard to avoid God and they're slaves of their unbelief. No, real, real happiness, the real enjoyment of life is with those who accept the promises of God in his word. For those who know Jesus Christ, embrace him in faith. For young people, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It belongs to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's for all those who are in Christ too. That's how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 3. All things are yours, he says. Whether the world or life or death or the present or the future, all things are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God. It's yours by promise. Boys and girls, young people, reason to be joyful. So let's not think or act as if we Christians are poor, cramped, miserable, while the world out there is rich, free, happy. Not the case for believers. It's the other way around, says the preacher. The world is poor and cramped and restricted because they're limited to this world, this little planet. That's all they have. And then they always need to look for new pleasures to distract the attention from the meaninglessness of life without God. But you know where it's all headed, right? John writes 1 John 2, 17, we read it. The world and its desires are passing away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. As believing covenant children, you're rich in Christ. Brothers and sisters, young people, heirs of all things with Christ. And doesn't that give you reason to be joyful, to rejoice in your youth? Before the pains come and the aches, 
Everything is yours. You're on the way to everlasting glory with Christ. You have an awesome future with him. And that joy can start now already here. Living for him. And if you believe that, if that lives in your heart, then yes, follow your heart. Follow your eyes. Walk in that. Be truly happy. Forgiveness of sins and renewal of life and everlasting joy are yours in Christ. If you don't believe those promises of God in Christ, then you, you actually have a poor, sad, empty life. Young people who don't have God in their lives deserve our pity, our, our help, our prayer. But if you believe those promises of the gospel, then you can really enjoy life here and, and now already too. This life is broken, it's tainted by sin, but you know Jesus Christ, the son of David who overcame sin and overcame the brokenness of this life, who overcame death and is coming to make all things new. And if we love him and look forward to that eternal feast with him, shouldn't we be a fair bit more happy and joyful than we sometimes are? We come to the second part, the way to the real enjoyment of life. We've already said something about that too. But in the last part of our text, the preacher says, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Sounds maybe like a bit of a downer after what we just said in the first point about enjoying life. The idea of judgment day and having to stand before God's throne to answer for everything we did in this life, for every idle word spoken, is kind of disconcerting. Right? To kind of put a damper on the joy the preacher commands, right? Isn't he taking back with one hand what he gave with the other? Not at all, congregation. For those who live in faith, this is not a damper on their joy. This is what they're looking forward to. To God's judgment. Because then it will become clear who who they followed. There will come a day when each of us will stand before God's throne, you two young people. Think of that in your youth. And then the Almighty will ask of you, what did you do with the promises I had proclaimed to you and sealed to you in the sacraments? What did you do with the life I gave you? Did you remember me every day? Did you make it your joy to live out of Christ? Was your life on earth a living in thankfulness and in the joyful expectation of being with me in my, my glory forever? Yes, God will judge everyone according to what he or she did in this life, whether good or evil. And yes, this will certainly sound pretty sober and threatening to anyone who has not embraced Jesus Christ as Savior and renewer of their life. In fact, as we confess in the last article, the Belgian Confession, the very thought of this judgment is horrible and dreadful to the wicked and evildoers, for those, in other words, who lived for this life only. But those who love Christ as their Savior don't see that judgment as horrible and dreadful. No, it's confessed in that same article of the Belgian Confession, the thought of that judgment is great comfort and joy to the elect 
for then their full redemption will be completed and they will receive the fruits of their labor and their innocence will be known to all. In other words, their struggle will be over and they'll see how completely they had been forgiven all their sins in Christ all along. And then the Savior, who they hoped in and lived for and struggled to serve here, will beckon them. See, sit down at this, this eternal feast here. And then it'll be seen by all that what, what their Lord and their Savior has done for them. Then what they believed and lived for here becomes glorious reality before all. And they live in perfect joy forever with Christ. See, when the preacher mentions God's judgment in our text, he's then also pointing out the way by which you can really be happy and enjoy this life. And that's, as we mentioned before, the way of faith in God's promises and his grace in Christ. The way of obedience to him, your, your Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, young people, if the aim of your life is to accept God's promises in Christ, if that is the desire of your heart and the love of your eyes to be renewed after his image, you will find happiness even in the midst of all the struggles of this life. Relationship struggles, health problems, all kinds of things that you might run into, worries about your, your schooling and so on. If you really live here in the hope of receiving everything in Christ obtained for you on the cross that Christ obtained for you, then you can really enjoy this life. You can deal with the failures, the disappointments, too. And then I say to you with the preacher and with the Apostle Paul, who commanded the same in his letters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always. But then I also say to you, what a sad and sorry life you have if you don't have Christ and accept his benefits in faith and struggle to live for him. Sad, because you won't know what real enjoyment is. You don't know what real happiness is and enjoyment. You'll never experience what it is to be truly joyful. You'll never experience the beginning of eternal joy in your heart. And the thought of God's judgment will be horrible and dreadful for you too. What if you're always worried about what if. Oh, brothers and sisters, young people who are addressed in particular in the text, let's never let ourselves be deceived into thinking that faith in Christ takes away joy and unbelievers have all the fun in life. Not true. Not true at all. Faith, living for your Savior, that gives joy in life. All the stuff that unbelievers find their pleasure in isn't the real thing. It's deceit, fake, doesn't give lasting, deep happiness that knowing Christ gives. Quite a bit of the making merry of unbelievers is just cover up for emptiness and for fear of death and judgment. So believers, young, young believers in particular here too, they can, you can have all the joy in life. Jesus Christ bought that for you with his blood. He suffered 
He, he was sorrowful so you can be happy and enjoy life. He alone delivers, renews, gives hope and consolation. Do your utmost to make him the focus of your life, the driving force of your life. You'll find happiness even in all the struggles and sorrows and disappointments of life, this broken life. You will find happiness and it will remain in you. And you'll find more and more, even as you get older, even when you're on a deathbed, even though you know it's all going to end with standing before God's judgment seat, you can enjoy, you can have that joy in your heart because in Christ you have complete forgiveness and with him you're on the way to boundless joy forever. Amen.